This is Dr. David Pomeroy, your host on ADHD Focus. I wanted to remind you that the show is not intended to be a recommendation for diagnosis or treatment of any condition for any specific person. Please consult your mental health professional or doctor managing your ADHD or mental health issues about any diagnosis or treatment-related information that you hear on the show. Refer your ADHD provider to the show if he or she would like more information. Thank you. We've got a very exciting show today with Brendan Mann about the wall of awful, what develops in terms of people trying to cope with all the things that come up with their ADHD and how to uh, climb it, how to help work with it. Brendan is a executive function coach and consultant, speaks to a number of groups. He has also been a sixth grade teacher, so he has experience from the teacher side and also as a parent. So he's got a lot of experience to bring to the subject. Let's talk about how the wall of awful, this internalized barriers that build up over time with uh, people with ADD. Let's talk about how that develops. Yeah. So first off, everyone has a wall of awful. You don't have to have ADHD to have a wall of awful. Um, The deal is, though, people with ADHD, because of the executive functioning challenges that they have, we tend to fail more often than people who don't have ADHD. And I say Mm -hmm. we because I have ADHD. So I've experienced that more frequent failure firsthand. Um, the way the wall of awful works is every time we fail in a given area, we get a brick in our wall, right? So a little failure brick. Mm -hmm. And if we fail enough in that area, we start to develop a wall of awful for that task or that particular type of risk, because the wall of awful is an emotional barrier that prevents us from taking risks and initiating tasks. So it may be a, a task of you didn't take out the garbage as that's one of your chores and the more you get hounded on that and why didn't you remember, um, then that adds to more their task wall. Right. Yeah. So it, it could be taking out the garbage, like you said. It could be homework if you're a kid. It mm-hmm. could be emailing if you're an adult, losing weight, um, even making phone calls, people can have walls of awful for. So Staying it, away from your phone at midnight. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of a broad swath of things, and it's a way to explain why we have trouble doing things that other people might find easy or things that we think we should be able to do, mm-hmm. but for some reason we just can't start. Um, and so the way the way that the wall gets built, like I said, is every time we fail, we get a brick in our wall a little failure brick. Along with that failure brick, we get a disappointment brick because I disappointed myself. Mm -hmm. But I also get a disappointment brick for everyone whose opinion of me matters around that failure. So if I was supposed to send an email to a client, let's say, and I don't, I get a brick for myself. I maybe get a brick for my boss. I get a brick for that client. Um, If I'm working with someone else on this project, I also get a brick for them. All of those bricks pile up. Yes, pretty quickly. Yeah, and and these disappointment bricks lead 
almost immediately to rejection bricks. Because when we disappoint someone, we assume they're going to reject us. Whether they do Mm -hmm. or don't doesn't really matter. We think they will, and that's enough for this emotional barrier to start to form. It's not... Go ahead. With uh, kids, they aren't going to necessarily assume it right from the start, but the more they do it, the more they fail. Pretty soon they're going to think, oh, here we go again. Mom doesn't like me. She's going to tell me I'm uh, not good for anything, or my teacher's going to say, why are you doing this again? So that rejection gets more powerful, and then it gets the anticipated. Yeah, yeah. And and as these emotions build up, as these emotional bricks pile on to each other, they start to change around a little bit, and we start to get new emotions that get added, right? So rejection leads pretty quickly to loneliness, mm-hmm. because if I feel like I'm being rejected by enough people, now I just start feeling like no one likes me, and no one cares about me, and now I'm feeling lonely. Um, and if I have some guilt around making that mistake, right? Guilt leads to shame in a heartbeat. Guilt being, I feel like I made a mistake. Shame being, I feel like I am the mistake. And that internalization of those emotions. If the reason you made the mistake is because you have ADHD, how do you keep that guilt from becoming shame? It's really hard. Yes, yes. Particularly if you don't know yet that you have ADHD and either do your parents or your wife or anybody else. Right. Or if I know I have it and I'm just like, it's because I have ADHD that I can't do X, Y, and Z. I stink because I can't do anything because I have ADHD. Um, one of the things I like to say is that sometimes the ADHD wins. And it's a way for me to get some distance between myself and my ADHD. And, yeah, I'm sort of putting the mistake on the ADHD, which, as much as people want to say, don't blame the ADHD, except right. that I'm right. And the reason I made that mistake is, in fact, because I have ADHD. So it's not about blaming. It's about, like, explaining. And Mm -hmm. the difference is a subtle one, but it's important, right? I'm not trying to excuse myself from everything because I have ADHD. It's not an excuse. It's a reason. It's a way to explain why that mistake happened. So I don't have to carry the emotional weight of the mistake, but I still have to solve the problem that the mistake caused. Mm -hmm. as opposed to using the ADHD as an excuse where I don't have to carry the emotional weight of everything that led up to to the mistake, but I also don't have to carry the emotional weight of fixing the problem. That's not a plan. you got to fix it, but you don't have to beat yourself up about the fact that you made the mistake. Right, and I certainly see people that have um, figured, oh, I don't need to worry about it, and oftentimes um, it's a teenager who says, well, you know, I have ADD, so it's no wonder I didn't turn the paper in or whatever, and so parents even get more frustrated, maybe especially if one of the parents also has ADD but has figured out how to deal with some of this. Um, and it, how, do you, how would we turn someone from it's an excuse and there's nothing I can do about it to you, you can if you choose to? Is that part of their wall, using it as an excuse instead of a reason? Yeah, and what they're doing there is they're trying to avoid the the wall, right? They're either staring at it or they're trying to go around it, and they're just trying to not interact with that wall of really hard emotions. And 
you kind of have to flip it on its head a little bit and, and talk about how, yeah, you didn't write the essay, but you still have to. Like, just because you didn't do it doesn't mean you don't have a responsibility to write that essay or mow that lawn or take out that trash. It's mm-hmm. still your responsibility. And my uncle Ben used to say that with great power comes great responsibility. Uh, and I like to flip that on its head and say that with great responsibility comes great power. If we're taking responsibility for the things that we are responsible for, that can be empowering. And sometimes uh-huh. that's intimidating and it takes a little while to get there and it takes some maturity, but it can become empowering to, to be responsible for taking the trash out, cleaning your room, whatever the case may be, because um, it means you're having an effect on the world. Mm-hmm. You're getting that email out that maybe coordinates things for your team and as people get better at doing it, then you get that positive reinforcement part. Yeah. And there's also empowerment in being able to put that thing down, right? Like I closed that loop, so I got rid of some of the anxiety that I've been dealing with because I don't have to worry about that essay or taking the trash out or sending that email or making that phone call. Yep. So now I can focus on other stuff that I want to do because the stuff I need to do isn't weighing down my attention, my attention mm-hmm. anymore. So now we're at the point where there's a wall, and it may be from, well, I think they probably start at age two or three and keep building until whatever time a person uh, figures out and then gets help for, gee, this is what's going on, you have ADD. So how do people surmount the wall? So there's five ways people try to use to get past the wall of awful. Two of them don't work. One works but is not healthy, so it's not a good plan. And then there's two that work. The first method that people use that doesn't work is staring at the wall, like I mentioned earlier, right? You're just looking at it. You're not even really engaging with the challenge. You're just stopping before you get to it. The other option is to try to go around it, or the other option that doesn't work, I should say, is to try to go around it. That's when you decide that, yeah, I'll take the trash out, or yeah, I'll send that email, but first I want to watch an episode of Bob's Burgers. Yeah. And then I'll be ready to do the thing. But one episode of Bob's Burgers becomes two, which becomes three, and then I wander off and make myself a milkshake and some popcorn, and now I'm watching a movie, and I never actually took the trash out or sent the email or did the thing, right? And I see a number of, of... People and adults often identify it most of, well, okay, I'll go mow the lawn, and I'll get the laundry folded. And so they're doing things and doing tasks, but they aren't writing the email. Right. So they're trying to get some satisfaction. See, I got all these things done. Yeah. It's like productive procrastination. Yeah. So the other way, or the first way that works to get past it but is not healthy is to smash through the wall, right? This is when we just get angry, and it might be anger at ourselves. It might be an internal smash, or it might be an external smash where we're getting mad at someone else. And it's you're just like, fine, I'll do the lawn, or fine, I'll do my math, or whatever, and you're just angry. Mm-hmm. And you're attacking mom or your husband or your wife or your boss. Um, and the internal version of that is when, like, the hood gets flipped up and you're, why do I suck? What's wrong with me? Why can't I just do this? Right? Kind of beating yourself up. Mm-hmm. It it gets you past it because anger and 
sort of that forlorn frustration, those are powerful emotions that can help push us and propel us through this emotional barrier that is the wall of awful. But it's not useful because it damages relationships. It hurts my relationship with my wife or my mom when I start yelling at them or my husband or my dad. Um, mm-hmm. Or it hurts my relationship with myself. It hurts my self-esteem and my self-concept when I start beating myself up about the fact yeah. that I didn't do the thing. And in the course of this, that smash, go around and stare at it, that's fight, flight, and freeze. It's the body's stress response. It's, mm-hmm. it's how we respond to stress and anxiety. It's that amygdala hijack that gets talked about in ADHD circles. Yeah. Um, that's really what's going on there. It's, it's just not as useful as it could be. The fight one might get you where you need to be, but it's still not that great. Yeah, it, it, you get uh, much more cost than any benefit. Yeah. So the two that get us past the wall and are healthy and work are climbing the wall and putting a door in the wall. The trick is that they look like staring at it and going around it. Mm. And so to the outside observer, we might assume the person is trying to avoid the task, even though what they're really doing is gearing themselves up emotionally for this task. Mm -hmm. So going back to Bob's Burgers, if you're watching Bob's Burgers because you're dreading mowing the lawn or writing an essay, and Bob's Burgers is going to feel like you're visiting some old friends, and it's funny, and it's going to make you laugh, and it's going to kind of change your mood and change your mindset, change your emotional state, and help you get started, that's great. That's a solid plan, even though it looks like you're going around it. The trick is that folks with ADHD have executive functioning challenges, and we have issues with dopamine. So if I watch one episode of Bob's Burgers, I might get caught on the dopamine roll of those shows and forget all about the thing that I was supposed to do because it feels good to laugh and to enjoy my cartoon friends. Sure. And we also have that time warp where I'm just going to watch one and, well, one more. That's only going to be now an hour and three and a half hours later. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's why we need some external reminders, right? An alarm that gets set, a reminder in Alexa or Google Home, a time timer, mom or dad or your husband or wife. That's the worst case scenario is having another person do it because then if you're frustrated coming out of Bob's Burgers, that frustration gets aimed at the other person. And it's really hard to get annoyed with a timer. It's easy to get annoyed with my husband. So. We want to be careful about using other people. Putting a door in it, like I said, is about changing your emotional state. That's why we watch Bob's Burgers, is to get that emotional state changed. There's other things that also do that. Exercise is a great example. Music works really well. Working Mm -hmm. in a different place or with different people can be really affected. Those last two were easier pre-COVID than they are post-COVID, admittedly, but or say during COVID, I guess. Um, but those are also in there as maybe a potential option. Just mm-hmm. maybe you go work in your backyard, maybe you Zoom with someone and do a virtual study hall kind of thing. Um, but those are some other strategies that can put a door in your wall of awful. 
One thing that I've uh, come across, and certainly more people are working at home, where normally they get in the car and have half an hour commute, for instance, if you're in Seattle, that's an hour. And now their commute is walking from this room to the next room. And I suggest to people, you've had that transition time, you didn't necessarily recognize it that. If you normally drive to work, go get in your car, drive around five minutes, come back. Now you've had that break, that mental transition, okay, now I'm back at, at work. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of using a different place or environment, I guess. Yeah, and, and often even more critical is the commute home. If you've got mm-hmm. a family, you can't just leave your office that you're doing all these Zoom calls and coding or whatever in, emailing, and then walk out into your family room from your office and expect to be an effective mom or dad because yeah. an effective mom or dad often is really caring and, and there's a lot of social-emotional stuff that's going on, and those social-emotional skills are not always the priority at work. So you mm-hmm. might be more demanding. You might be more critical than you necessarily should be with your family, at least immediately, because those are the skills and the mindset that you have to have at your job. So that Mm -hmm. commute home is also important. And that's where going for a walk or doing something active, that exercise can can, uh, blow off some of that energy accumulated from whatever frustrations um, or good feeling you have for getting things done at work. And as you say, switch into now the parent role and listening to your kids. Yeah, exactly. Um, And and that's connected to climbing the wall because climbing the wall is just dealing with the emotions that you're encountering. And a great way to do that is through mindfulness. And mindfulness Mm -hmm. is another really solid transition home if you can take – five or ten minutes and meditate in your office and then go into the family room, that's going to help you center yourself. Yeah. Um, and and the way that climbing it looks like staring at it, which is what it appears to be from the outside, is because, yeah, I'm going to go, I don't know, write an essay or or I'm going to go clean the living room. But first, I'm just kind of sitting here or standing here and not doing anything as far as anyone looking at me is concerned. But in fact, I'm doing a lot of internal work with dealing with the dread of going to do the thing. And dealing with the dread sounds really negative, and it makes things almost more overwhelming. But Uh climbing the wall, that sounds productive and useful. So another element to all of this is that the wall of awful is a relatively easy concept to understand. It's something that's fairly easy to explain, even though it's deeply sophisticated and complicated. But it can be understood by kids that are like eight years old. And you can say to them, hey, you're climbing the wall when they look like they're not doing anything. And that might help them be aware that they're dealing with emotions and help you be aware that they're maybe doing something even if it looks like they aren't. Yeah. And um, it just occurred to me that to be able to say it's okay to be getting ready. Because if you were going to climb a wall, particularly a larger one, you'd want to make sure you had the right equipment, that you were rested, that you'd had something to eat, those kinds of things. So that's the preparation 
you're physically going to climb a walk, rock wall, you need that same kind of preparation to uh, get after the emotional wall. Yeah. And we can become stronger climbers. We can become better at addressing those emotions, right? We can, taking responsibility, like I talked about earlier, is a good way. The better you get at that, the easier it is to climb your wall. And getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is also a useful strategy. Mm -hmm. um, and, and another choice is to put handholds in it to make the wall easier to climb. You're not stronger. It's just easier to get up there. And I've already mentioned some of those too, right? Like I mentioned using a time timer. Timers are a great way to help us get up the wall because if I only have to do work for 15 or 20 minutes, it makes it feel more manageable. Uh -huh. um, and in the same way, reflecting on why things went the way they went and learning from those mistakes is going to make it easier to climb the wall. So there's, there's ways to get past it. It's not an insurmountable thing. So are there particular, and you talked about you can have a lot of different walls and different kinds of um, things. Are there particular walls that seem to be hang-ups to most people? Ones that are, for most people have to, this is a common, maybe harder wall to, to deal with than do the chores or just write that one email. Yeah, I think so. Um, a lot of them are around communication. So making that, sending that email, making that phone call, having that hard conversation with your spouse or your boss or your kid or your best friend. And a way to, to manage those communication challenges is to have a little bit of a script, like have some phrases and words that are going to help you begin that conversation. Um, something that I say to people a lot when I'm, talking about ideas and things is I'm like, feel free to hate this. I say that all the time. Uh. And, and it does a bunch of different things. One, it lets the person I'm talking to know that I'm open to criticism and they don't have to like my ideas. Two, it helps me disconnect from that idea. I don't get too committed to any of the ideas that I share because if I share one that I'm feeling committed to, I immediately start with feel free to hate this. And that gets me pulled out of it. So if they're like, oh, I don't think I want to do that, I'm like, cool. And this can be anything from where we want to go to dinner to what's the plan for Christmas to working with clients and sharing strategies for them that they might want to use in their lives. Mm -hmm. Feel free to hate this is a really powerful one for me. Um, yeah, yeah. And I just – I one of the ways I keep bricks from landing in my wall is by having that growth mindset and being – aware of the fact that I'm probably going to mess this up and it's not, I'm not perfect and I don't need to be perfect and it's okay. That stuff keeps walls on or that stuff keeps bricks out of my wall. Yeah. Um, exactly. Another area that folks often struggle with is, is like physical stuff, right? Weight loss, diet, exercise, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Those can be really hard too. And some of what makes that tricky is it's often more than one wall coming together that you have to encounter which is an element of this that we haven't really dug into yet, right? If I feel like I need to lose 20 pounds, and I totally need to lose 20 pounds, by the way, there's a lot in there to make that hard and also to make me want to do it, right? There's yeah. sort of my self-perception. Um, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It, it's also not something that, okay, I had the conversation. It's done. 
losing weight is not something you do by tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that takes that time, and there's that sustaining your attention, planning, um, and dealing with the fact that I don't like this. It's uncomfortable. And right. That it's okay to be uncomfortable. No, I don't think anybody much likes it. Um, but keeping that going for the month or two or three is another challenge, particularly maybe it's more with ADD. It is. <laughs> yeah, and because every single time I have to face that wall again. And I hopefully I'm getting better at climbing it, but maybe I'm not. And those walls are their self-image, like I said. There's also things like time management and having enough time to exercise mm-hmm. and having enough time to plan for my meals and what I'm going to eat. That can be a wall of awful for people with ADHD that it springs up all the time is I don't have enough time. Yep. So let, figuring out how to have more time or how to structure your time more effectively, that part of solving that problem is a big wall of awful for lots of people with ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also, it's not uncommon for those of us with ADHD to put a door in our wall by eating a cookie, right? Yeah. Like, I need some yeah. dopamine, I'm going to chow down in a cookie or two. Mm-hmm. That's not helping us lose weight. So, and then I come back to this different wall, right? Like, now I feel bad that I ate the cookie. Um, so, there are elements that are less straightforward than they might seem, when it comes Mm -hmm. to climbing a wall. And sometimes you're climbing the wrong wall and don't even know it. Yeah, and and a lot of this, I'm thinking particularly in terms of the weight and eating and self-image, that gets back to often a lot of childhood tapes that are in there, Mm -hmm. which can be an even harder wall to see as an adult or maybe... It's easy for the person trying to climb the wall. You can remember, I can certainly remember the tapes um, from my father saying, how many times do I have to tell you? I would never say back to him, I don't know, I guess as many times as it takes. (laughs) If I said it once, that would be the last time I said it. Um, But that certainly pops up into my head when I'm thinking, doggone it, I did it again. When am I going to learn not to do that? Yeah. And and that's where understanding the wall of awful becomes important for parents. Mm-hmm. Because your dad didn't help you by saying that. That mm-hmm. was not an effective strategy for him in the long run. It might have worked in the short term. He, you might have yep. done the thing, but it didn't make it easier for you to do that thing now that you're an adult. It made it harder. So as parents, sometimes we have to win the short-term battle. And sometimes we have to be willing to make the short-term battle take a little bit longer and maybe even lose it every now and then in order to win the long-term war of helping our kid be more productive or more effective in their judgment or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, the, um, that long-term win uh, is that I think it's tough for anybody particularly when you're kind of in the heat of the moment, whether it's parents, doggone it, it didn't get done yet, or ourselves, this feels terrible, but if I have a cookie, I'll feel a lot better. Um, Yeah. That that dopamine going. Um, Well, as 
as commonly happens, we're uh, coming up on being out of time and um, probably would benefit from another time we can talk about uh, surmounting successive walls and uh, what what's on the other side and figuring out how to not keep building the wall. Sure. That'd be, I'd love to come back. That'd be great. I think we've uh, touched on the fact that these a wall of offer, awful is the emotional barriers that uh, those of us with ADHD can easily build in, into from our experience with others and also our own internal experience and that there are some non-productive and unhealthy ways of trying to get through that wall but there is hope because one can learn how to climb the wall or put a door into it makes it easier to go through that and also learn ways to not keep adding bricks to the wall um, so there there's hope in there for those of us with ADHD and Brendan it's been a pleasure to have you as a guest here and uh, helping people figure out the, the wall of awful. Yeah, thank you for having me on. It's been, it's been wonderful. I appreciate it. And my guest has been Brandon Mann, who's an executive function consultant and coach and has a uh, particular uh, emphasis on parenting and how parents can help understand the wall and help their kids to uh, climb it and get those doors going. This has been ADHD Focus. I'm your host, David Pomeroy, and I look forward to talking with you again soon.